You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to Locked On Knicks, the podcast that's in the 99th percentile of wearing two pairs of socks in the wintertime. It's cold out there. I'm your host, James Marcita, a.k.a. I bomb Ramonically Sessions. I am the founder of NBA Injury Report, a lifelong Knicks fan, and a grown-ass man. This this right here is episode 234 of Locked On Knicks. Let's start the show. Mm. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the Knicks 121 to 103 loss to the Washington Wizards, aka the Wiz, aka the Magical Fairy Tale Men. Topics include, but are not limited to, another stink bomb of a third quarter, whipping up a fresh batch of doo doo butter there. The Knicks' offensive struggles in general and general since the Tim Hardaway Jr. injury. We're going to talk about Frank Nilakina's performance in this one, Ron Baker's terrifying face mask, and Cleaning the Glasses article on Chris Stapp's Porzingis and his limited passing ability. All right, I said let's start the show before, earlier, because I got a little too hyped up, but for real, right now, let's start the show. Yes! You may have seen the score of Wednesday night's game against the Wizards. And that score was Washington 121, New York 103. And quite understandably, you may have thought that the problem was defense. Well, I'm here to tell you, you know, as politely as possible, wrong, 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 wrong. The problem last night, Wednesday night, as it's been so many times low these past few weeks, was offense. Allow me to explain, if you will, The Knicks lost last night's game in the third quarter. Some games you lose in the first two minutes. We had a lot of those last year. Let's be thankful. The Knicks are stinking it up right now, in general, and general. But last year, they lost so many games in like the first five minutes. Now they're in most of them all the way to the end. (laughs) But some of them, especially lately, they've been losing in the third quarter. And this was one of those games. Why? Why did they lose the game in the third quarter? Well... Because they couldn't score. Let me take you through it, quarter by quarter, quickly. The Knicks gave up 33 points in the first quarter. And, you know, that's a lot. But they scored 32 themselves. They were only down one after the first quarter. Their offense was up to the task. Then they gave up 32 points in the second quarter. Again, that's a lot, but they equaled that output. They scored 32 themselves. They were only down one at the half. The third quarter is when they got unequivocally... There's no equivocating here. Sunned to death. They got sunned all the way into the grave. And it's not because Washington was unstoppable on offense. They scored 26 points, which is totally reasonable. That's fine. 26 points is fine in a quarter. If you're, you know, the defense, you can live with that. The Knicks, however, only scored 14. 26 to 14, 12-point margin. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Project that over the rest of the game. That's a 48-point loss. <laughs> Um, But that's not even as bad. Like, that final score, so to speak, of the third quarter, 26-14, doesn't really show the depth of the depravity 
of the horribleness of the Knicks offense. The Knicks got outscored 22-5 to in a little bit over the first six minutes of the third quarter. They only scored five points in the first half of the third quarter. Bop, 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 bop. You, you extrapolate that over a whole game. Ten, carry the one. Uh, forget my physics, I'm really bad. That's 40 points. That's 40 points a game. All right? So 22 points is a lot to score. I said, you know, in the first uh, six minutes of the half, Washington scored 22. But five for the Knicks. And the thing is, bad offense begets bad defense. If you can never get a shot to fall, you start hanging your head. You don't run back as quickly. The other team thinks they're like invincible gods. We saw Bradley Beal with his little like prancing pony celebration in the third quarter. So it all started with their inability to buy a bucket. That's the stretch where the Knicks lost the game. And it was because they couldn't score. Their only points during those first six and a half minutes of the third quarter were a Lance Thomas three. We've seen where this gets you. And a Jared Jack two. They had eight shots against five turnovers. Truly a uh, you know vomit-inducing ratio there. You know, on the other end, um, if you're talking about the Knicks defense, which we can, you know, that was part of it, not great. On the other end, it was the whiz backcourt that the Knicks couldn't deal with. Wall had 10 points in this stretch, and Bradley Beal had 6. Interestingly enough, during this stretch, Wall was guarded by Jared Jack. Then Frank came in for the second half of the third quarter, and Wall had 0 points during the stretch. Well done, Frank. Polite claps for you. The problem is he had zero assists during this time, one turnover, and zero points himself. So Hornacek's in a real bind many nights here in terms of like winning games. People who are clamoring for Frank to start, you know, I want to see it too. But it's not like he's not getting minutes. It's not like he's not getting a chance to close out games. And right now, frequently you have this trade-off. He can come in and play great defense But if he's not playing well on offense, it can hurt them there too. The same way Lance Thomas can play great defense. And when he has no offense, it hurts the Knicks a lot. You know, Frank's 19. I think he's got a lot of offensive ceiling much higher than Lance Thomas. Please, God. You know, but it's a similar effect on nights when he's not playing that well on that end. So it's a tough decision for Hornacek about who to go with. You can, you know, be angry at him that he had Jarrett Jack in there for the first half. Of the third quarter. But then Frank comes in. Does a great job against Wall. Shuts, helps shut down the Wiz. They only score four points the rest of the way. They finish at 26 in that quarter. After scoring 22 in the first half. But you see uh, the Knicks offense didn't exactly turn it on either. So, you know. it's uh, Life's tough. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. I want to talk a little bit about how much the Knicks offense has struggled in general. Since Tim Hardaway Jr. went down. But first, bowl season is here. And it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? You go online, you win lots of money, you ask for it, and they're like, nah, I don't know, maybe not today, maybe next week. Sign up at mybookie.ag today and get paid fast when you win. My bookie is your hookup. My bookie's your hooky? I don't know. We'll work on that. My bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs. And you can even deposit using Bitcoin. I know the Winklevi listen to this. Guys, you can deposit on my bookie using your stupid Bitcoin. If you want to make money, and I'm talking to all of you, not just the Winklevi. If you want to make money betting the bowl games, you got to go to mybookie.ag. They're the only site I'd recommend, but you don't have to take my word for it, friendo. 
Check them out yourself. They have odds on every matchup as well as in-game, live betting on all this season's NFL and bowl games. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Boom! Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate this stunning offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If you're going to bet, the only place to do it is at mybookie. The Knicks offense has really struggled since Tim Hardaway Jr. has gone down. Which kind of makes me happy because I was one of the few people who thought he signed a good contract coming into the season. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. The problem, you know, I want to contextualize this because the problem was frequently offense when Tim was here too. He's not like the one true savior of the Knicks. But the offensive struggles that the Knicks experience in general, and general, <laughs> is only exacerbated with his absence. Think of it this way. The Knicks offense, it's, it's like a delicate ecosystem. You know how you learn about, it's like if you accidentally, you know, you, uh, if like one like tadpole species, <laughs> tadpole's a, uh, a stage of life, not a species, but like if one like frog species goes extinct, it has this like butterfly effect and the whole jungle burns down to the ground. You remember learning that in science class? Um, the Knicks offense is sort of like that. You take away one of their competent guys and the whole Great Barrier Reef dies. You know what I'm saying? They need everyone healthy to have a chance. But especially their top two in KP and Tim. So here's what's been going on. In the month before Hardaway went down. So, like, Hardaway had a rough start to the season. So I want to talk about, like, the month before he went down when the Knicks were, like, clicking pretty well. In the month before Hardaway went down, the Knicks were 13th in net rating. A little bit above average, which, which is excellent for them, given their expectations coming into the season, given their personnel. They had a 107.2 O rating and a 105.3 D rating. In the month before Tim Hardaway Jr. hurt his leg. Since Timmy's last game, which is about a month ago, on November 29th, the Knicks are 23rd in net rating. 102.7 on O, and 106.1 on D. It went from 13th in net rating in the month before Hardaway got hurt, to since then, 23rd. They've dropped 10 spots in net rating in that time. Um, you may have noticed the offense hasn't changed that much, although it has changed a little. There were 105.3 per 100 possessions on, on defense. I said that, I might have said offense just now. The defense hasn't changed that much without him. They were giving up 105.3 points per 100 possessions in the month before he went down. Now they're giving up 106.1. So the defense is a little bit worse, not like tremendously so. The offense, though, is where this has really struggled. Since he's gone down, their offensive rating of 102.7 is 27th in the league. Only three teams have been worse than the Knicks on offense since Tim Hardaway Jr. has gotten injured. In the month before Tim Hardaway Jr. got injured, when he was playing and the Knicks were playing well, their offensive rating was 107.2, which I said before, and that was 8th in the league. They went from 8th in offense with Tim Hardaway to 23rd without Tim Hardaway. They were 11th in effective field goal percentage in the month before he got hurt, shooting 53.2% from the field. They're 27th since he went down at 49.4%. They went from 53.2 to 49.4. That's a big jump or a big plummet. <laughs> it's like they were running out over the cliff and, uh, you know, 
like the road, uh, the coyote, Wiley Coyote. Tim Hardaway got junior. Tim Hardaway Jr. got injured. The Coyote looked down, and their effective field goal percentage plummeted. Now, this is like, like I said, this is an ecosystem. It's not that Hardaway is by far the best Nick. You know, Chris Stapps makes Hardaway better, but Hardaway makes Chris Stapps better. And he makes Lee better because when Timmy's around, Lee is playing the role that Lance is playing now. You see what I'm saying? Like, everyone gets moved up without Hardaway. And they're much better when they're moved down to peg. Right? Or you could say uh, Timmy would be getting what Lance's minutes are now. However you want to look at it. The drop-off from Timmy and Lee to Lee and Lance is steep. And it trickles down. The way anything only ever trickles down. And that shit rolling downhill. So you remove him out, out of there. The offense in general doesn't function as smoothly. But everyone has to play a bigger role. And everyone suffers for it. Now... The Knicks are probably going to keep losing games while Timmy is out. And that's okay. We've talked about this before. The Knicks are in a decent position. They make the playoffs great. They plummet. They lose a bunch of games. Great as long as, you know, Hornacek's developing the young players and blah, blah, blah. And Chris Depps is happy and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to spend much more time talking about that. But the Knicks are probably going to keep losing games while Timmy is out. So we've got to look for interesting content outside the world of, did they win? Are they going to keep losing? Type of stuff. you got to find other things to look at. And... First up on the docket, you know, in this vein, from Wednesday night's game against the Wizards, and most importantly, really, I should have led with this, is the Ron Baker face mask situation. So if you didn't see it yet, you got to look it up. He's wearing now, you know, Anthony Davis. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. So Ron Baker, he's got a broken face, and he's wearing a, as so many players do, a mask. He's got a clear mask. There's a headband on top. Which he normally doesn't use. I guess it's to like help secure the, the face mask. And you know, it's holding down his shaggy hair. It, but it looks... <laughs> I can't even... Like, I don't know what it looks like. It looks like, like you could take the whole apparatus off. And his brain would be like exposed. Like you could lift it up from the headband and the mask. And the hair would come off. And there would just be like a cut open head. With a, like a brain pulsating underneath it. Is it too soon for Get Out spoilers? Because I'd like to make a Get Out reference here, but I'm worried about spoiling it. Anyway, it's fantastic. You guys should see it. We can move on. Rebecca Harlow, sideline reporter extraordinaire, said that Ron Baker was most worried about the sweat underneath the mask, not the fit. Which at first I was like, that's weird, but now I totally understand it. It makes sense. Um, That would be really, like... Being sweaty when you don't want to be sweaty is one of the most uncomfortable feelings there are on this earth. You know, if you're incredibly privileged. So, uh, I got you. I got you, Ron. It, and it just... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. It looks like he's got, like, an alien stuck to his face that's going to, like, drop some eggs down his throat. One of those just, like, you know, from Alien. Just like a stingray alien clinging to his face, shoving its, like, egg layer down its throat. Anyway... I didn't address this officially yet on the podcast, but Anthony Davis clearly tried to elbow him on that dunk. I don't know how you can watch the replay of that and not think it. He swings his arm down, like, really hard, you know, unnaturally. You know, I guess because it's funny that Anthony Davis sunned Ron Baker literally to death, he can get away with it? I mean, because, make no mistake, it is kind of funny, but that ain't right. They rightfully got mellow earlier in the season when he elbowed the shit out of someone, and he was, like, facing away from the basket... This was just a touch more subtle, but he broke the dude's face. He did it on purpose. Anthony Davis should be fined and suspended at least a game. That's my official stance. 
Next on the docket is the development of rookie point guard, future all-star Frank Nilakina. Uh First, I have an update. Uh, I was effusively praising him for his crossover of Kawhi Leonard the other day and their loss to the Spurs. But upon further review, I can see that this was part of a scheme. It was part of Popovich's scheme. Kawhi clearly sent him toward the help in the middle. It's weird. You don't usually send people toward the middle. But if you watch the replay, he definitely did it on purpose. He sent him toward the help in the middle, toward Gasol, and all the passing lanes out were cut off by Spurs. It was some super clever Popovich shit because he knew that Frank doesn't like to take it up and he had guys all around and Frank did pass out and the pass did get stolen. It worked perfectly. You know, I, I guess I'm glad Frank didn't lose the handle on his crossover or whatever, but it wasn't as slick as I originally thought. So just got to clear the air there. Let's talk about what Frank did uh, well in this game, right? We're looking for development, okay? From our 19-year-old point guard. He had a nice second quarter. He hit a three when the Wiz went way under him on a pick and roll, and he needs to do that so people will respect the pick and roll. Because right now they're daring him to shoot. So we, the NBA is very complicated, but it's also kind of like a very simple game of rocks, paper, scissors. There's counters. And as soon as you start doing things to counter the counter, then they counter the counter the counter. So, like, they're going under. He's got to hit shots. He had a nice three last night when they went under him on the pick and roll. Um, <laughs> later on in the quarter, he dribbled around like a Beasley with his head cut off, eventually hoisting an elbow jumper that went in. So, not the prettiest basket. You know, not the best team offense. But from Frank, I'll take it. And I'll tell you why. It's because... He needs to keep his dribble up under duress, which he did. He like almost lost it a couple times, but he didn't panic. It looked a little flaily, but he kept possession. He kept the dribble. And he needs to look for a shot more, which he did on this possession. So what's going to happen going forward is we're begging him to shoot, right? So he's going to do that. He's going to shoot more, but he's going to take bad shots. And that's fine. It's all part of the developmental curve. First, we've got to get the shots up. It's like making a sculpture or writing something, if you're familiar with any of those, two, either of those two mediums. First, you've got to get that big mound of clay, if you're making a sculpture. Or you've got to poop out that first draft, if you're a writer. It's one of the hardest things to do. You're like, oh, I stink, this is terrible. But you just got to get it out there. You get out the raw material. Then, if you're a sculptor, you start carving it. You start shaping it. You start finessing it. Maybe a ghost comes up from behind you and centrally wraps its arms around you and you keep molding that pot, you know? Or if you're a writer, you cut things, you move them around, you add words, you're like, ah, oh, this doesn't make sense. You think about why you wrote that. I don't think that. And you carve away at it. You rearrange sentences. So he's got to get up those shots first. You know, I was happy for this deranged basket that he scored. Not a great, like, play, but he was looking for a shot. He kept his dribble up. Nice job there. Then my favorite sequence of the game from him... He poked the ball loose from John Wall, which led to a fast break, drive to the hoop. He gets to the rim from beyond the free throw line in two steps, covering a lot of ground, lays it in with the left hand. It was a nice drive. We wanted him to drive more. He's trying to drive more. Uh, later on in the third quarter, he airballed a floater, and it was gross. He airballed that floater, but he attempted the floater. We were saying this, you know, talking specifically about that play against the Spurs, where he passed out and he should have gone up strong against Pau Gasol. Um, But that's okay that he airballed the floater, because he's trying, you know? He airballed the first few shots he took in the league, but we don't want him to stop shooting, right? So to wrap up Frank's performance in 18 minutes, 
He had seven points on three of six shooting, one of two from three. So good efficient shooting in this one, although he didn't shoot much. One assist to one turnover, not great. One steal, that's nice. Notably, he was plus two in a game that the Knicks lost by a lot of points. And he played fantastic defense on John Wall. Fantastic. We talked about that third quarter, locked him down, didn't score against him. This was a nice developmental game from Frank. A bad loss, eh, you know, a loss, a not great loss for the Knicks, but a nice developmental game from Frank. I want to talk about Chris Stapps Porzingis' performance. Specifically, I want to talk about his passing ability in light of an article from the excellent Ben Falk over at Cleaning the Glass. But first, just want to remind you guys, you're listening to Locked On Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. There is a Locked On Podcast for every team in both the NBA and the NFL. If you're interested in what the Wizards guys had to say about last night's game, you're like, James, I, I like you, I trust you mostly, but I want to see what they had to say. You should head on over to Locked On Wizards. They got coverage of the game. See what they have to say. Locked On Podcast Network. We got you covered. All right, so I said, you know, the Knicks are probably going to lose some games going forward. We got to talk about other things than just like, did they win? Did they lose? Why? We got to look at the development of their franchise cornerstones. The franchise cornerstone, of course, is Chris Dapps Porzingis. So I want to talk about a bombshell. (laughs) Not really, but this was making the rounds on the internet yesterday. This bombshell from Ben Falk, creator of Cleaning the Glass. You know I love their stats. I use Cleaning the Glass all the time. And people were like, oh shit, when this article came out. Because it had sort of a salacious lead. Ben wondered aloud... If Kristaps is overrated because he's in New York. Right? But then he went on to say, in very reasonable language, all the stuff that we know about Kristaps. The crux of it was that he said Kristaps is not a good passer yet. And one thing he used to identify, to, you know, to uh, quantify this claim was um, an accomplishment. Well, not really an accomplishment. Not really a feat. A dubious honor known as a Carmelo. So, if you have 25-plus shots in a game, but 0-1 to assists in a game, that's what Ben Falk calls a Carmelo. First of all, I love that there's a stat for uh, Black Holery named after Carmelo. (laughs) Um, And Chris Dabbs has a bunch of Carmelos, long story short. He has a bunch of games where he has 25-plus shots with 0-1 to assists. And like me, I'm like, well, that doesn't factor hockey assists. And then, you know, hockey assist being where you pass out of a double team, and then that guy passes to a wide-open, let's say, three-point shooter. You don't get an assist, but you are instrumental in that basket. And Ben Falk does admit that assists are imperfect, that they don't include hockey assists. But then he says KP only has nine hockey assists this year, according to available data, which is not perfect either. But that's not great. And... KP, long story short, is sort of kind of a black hole right now. And we've talked about that, but the Knicks desperately need him to be. (laughs) They don't need him to be a black hole, but they need him to take shots because they're struggling mightily on offense like we've talked about. But he notes that. Ben Falk talks about that, so there's nothing new there, really. If you're listening to Locked On Knicks is what I'm trying to say. Then he said that Chris Stapps is bad out of the double team, and we've talked about that right now. Chris Stapps knows that's something he's got to work on. Um, and then he goes on to say that Chris Dapps is actually underratedly amazing on defense. And that this is what makes him so special. The two-way player aspect. And I totally agree. 
We talk about that on Locked On Knicks all the time. And then he says if he can fix his passing issues, you know, part of the thing that he's like, he, part of his reason, cause for concern was that Chris Depp's assist percentage has always been low, starting from when he was like 15 years old in pro leagues. But he's 22, so I'm not worried about that at all. If you could look at anyone whose assist percentage got better over time, his assist rate, um, most of those guys, you don't have stats from when they were 15 because they weren't pro at 15, but they probably would have been similar. So I'm not worried about that at all. Ben Fox says, if Chris Dapps can fix his passing issues and improve his vision, he'll exceed the hype. And I also agree. I've been saying for a long time, if Chris Dapps puts it all together, he can be the best player in the league or right about up there. And I said this so many times, but I said it most recently in the New Year's Resolution podcast. He's shown, Chris Dapps has shown a total willingness to address flaws. And I can't imagine that he hasn't or that he won't watch the same clips that Ben picked out in his excellent article of him missing open shooters, of him failing to anticipate the double. You know, his defensive awareness is so special, which Ben discusses. And that includes, you know, defensive awareness is based on processing a ton of information quickly. And I think he can and wants to translate that to the offensive end and wants to be a better facilitator. And I think he will be. And like I said just a moment ago, we have to remember he's 22. He has a lot of time to to improve. It's so amazing that he's shown this tough shot-making ability so far, and you have to have that first to take advantage of doubles. And that's the more rare talent, as Ben also says. You know, He's got that ability to draw so much attention, and now he can work on getting better at what to do when he draws that attention. That's going to come. It's not going to come instantly, and it's going to come, and Ben agrees with this. So I'm glad that Ben Fox sees it my way. All I'm trying to say is locked on Knicks, local stories from the local experts. Locked on, next. you guys know I've got you covered. Now, thinking about Chris Dapps' performance Wednesday night against the Wizards through that lens, how was his vision? Uh, Again, not great. It's not going to change overnight because of one article from the excellent Ben Falk of Cleaning the Glass. All right? He had another one-assist game, although he did not notch a Carmelo because he only took 13 shots, so that's good. But in general, just another not great game from KP. He's struggling right now. 16 points on 5 of 13 shooting. Yuck. I can't, I can't really do a good push a T, but imagine push a T going, yuck. How do you do it? Yuck. It's like so throaty. It's very like, it sounds like he's speaking Hebrew. Anyway, KP was 1 of 4 from 3. Not great. But he was 5 of 6 from the line, so a little bit more aggressive in this one. Maybe getting a little bit more of a friendly whistle. I don't know. Up for you to decide. That's good. He had six rebounds uh, with that amount of shots. I want maybe a little few more rebounds. I don't know. Three turnovers, not good. Two blocks, you know, he stays engaged on defense. I'll give him that. But only, and only two fouls, so that's nice. But he was minus 13. So not a great game from KP, but KP is going to be fine. I am not worried about him, even a little bit. Not a fun game from him, but not worried about it. You know what was fun, however, was the broadcast. There were a couple of broadcast highlights from this one. Even without Mike Breen, we had a good time out there with Kenny Albert and Clyde. I enjoyed uh, Jan Mahimi and Frank checked in at the same time, and Clyde was delighted by this fact. 
He said, two Frenchmen, check it at the same time. <laughs> Clyde loves the international guys. Like, he always calls Billy the Spaniard. Um, then he said, provocative stuff by the 6-8 Ubre. And I know I'm a child, but I want to know. I know I'm a child. I'm sophomoric sometimes. But I want to know if Clyde has ever said provocative stuff by the 6-9 blank. Whoever is 6-9 who was given provocative stuff. And if he has, I want to know when he's done it so I can isolate the audio. So if you have any leads on this, please send me an email, lockedonnicks at gmail.com, or you can tweet at me at lockedonnicks. Um, we learned from Clyde that Gortat was dubbed the Polish rifle coming into the league. I don't feel like I've heard that one before, but maybe it's true. And then we learned that Gortat allegedly owns a pet giraffe. They said this and just let it sit out there. So I'm thinking that can't be in America, right? I mean, like, it can be. It's probably legal to waterboard giraffes now, you know, by executive order. But come on, that's not right, Marcin. But then, and I was like, you know, I was like, I get it, giraffes are cool, but you gotta let an animal like that be free. Use the money for giraffe vet bills that you would be using on your vet bills to, you know, protect national parks or something. But then we learned like 10 minutes later, there's a twist. It's residing at the Warsaw Zoo. So he does not own a pet giraffe. He's like sponsoring one or something. We've been duped. I was a little bit annoyed by that. All right, but then, <laughs> then later on in the game, Clyde says the giraffe man goes to the line again after Gortat got fouled. So that was fun. We also learned that he's an interesting character, Gortat, who speaks four languages. Clyde was like obsessed with Gortat on this one. Speaking of Gortat, I want to close out this episode by entering the petty zone very quickly and say that Marcin Gortat looks like an extra from Hook. Looks like he's auditioning for the role of corniest punk rocker ever in season two of Stranger Things. And Bradley Beal, your little skip in the air celebration is not cool at all. It looks like some sort of dorky-ass spaz out. Is What is it, like a Step Brothers reference? Some terrible comedy? Get out of here. Ugh. I was about to say something very inappropriate, so I'll move on. Oh, I want to say one more thing. One more thing before we close out the show. Re- you know, I've been calling on you clowns, you doctors who are listening, to write in. So I have some questions for doctors. And no one's been writing in, and I know you're lying to me. But then a doctor stepped forward. An immunologist from Sweden who wasn't even a Knicks fan before he checked out the podcast, and now he is, wrote to me to say he would offer his services. I don't mean to brag, but get the fuck off me. Your podcast cannot beat that. Do you have immunologists from Sweden listening to you? I don't think you do. Are you convincing immunologists from Sweden to be Knicks fans through sheer force of personality? I don't think you are. Your podcast cannot beat that. So I want to thank you, immunologists from Sweden. But I also want to say, I really need an op- an orthopedist. Sorry, not an ophthalmologist. Maybe if we have some eye injuries. I need an orthopedist to step forward, please. So I know we've got the immunologist locked down. Thank you very much, immunologists from Sweden. We'll have you on to talk about the next time a Nick gets a cold. But... I need an orthopedist to step forward. So if you're listening to this orthopedist, send me an email. Lockedonnext at gmail.com. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I want you guys to take a moment, rate us on iTunes, five stars, leave a one-sentence review. It helps us very much. Follow us on Twitter. That also helps us, at Lockedonnext. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at NBA Injury Report. I want you guys to be chill to each other. And come back tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Knicks. Peace!